are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering online. Please go to www.hopechurchguildford.com for more details. We look forward to getting to know you. Well, good morning church. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, uh, my name is Ed and I've been a part of Hope Church for just over a year now, uh, along with my wife Helen and our two children, Faith and Elliot. And I've got the great privilege of sharing God's word with you this morning. And I want to start by asking you a question. What makes you happy? What makes you happy? Now, whilst you're having a think on that, let me tell you about something that I've discovered recently that makes me happy. Well, not so long ago we moved house and we moved out from a, a small flat in London with just a tiny bit of outside space uh, into a home near Guildford where we're really fortunate to have a, a reasonable sized garden now. And when we moved, one of the things that we quickly realised that we were going to need was a lawnmower. And it fell to me as the one who would be outside mowing the lawn every few weeks through spring and summer. Now I'm no gardening expert and it felt to me like this was probably just another chore to add to the list. But do you know what? As I started to get out and do it, I found that I actually really enjoyed it. Out in the sunshine and the fresh air, a bit of gentle exercise, an hour or two to myself and my own thoughts and just the fact that I was doing something useful and productive. I found myself really happy when the grass next needed doing. So much so that I think I actually over mowed the grass when we had that really hot spell and the grass then spent the rest of the summer trying to recover. But embarrassed as I am to say it, mowing the lawn really made me happy. So what makes you happy? Is it anything as mundane as mowing the grass, cleaning the windows maybe, clearing out the backs of old cupboards? Maybe it's something with a bit more substance, like spending time with loved ones or helping other people out with things that they need. Maybe it's your home that makes you happy, or your job, or your family, or your exercise routine, or your hobbies. Whatever it is, I think we can agree that we all spend an incredible amount of our time trying to make ourselves, and sometimes others, happy. I've called today's message, The Pursuit of Happiness. And I'm sure some of you will recognise the reference to the Will Smith film of the same name. All about a man who goes to amazing lengths just to see that he and his son can be happy. But if you haven't seen it, don't worry, neither have I. It's not considered compulsory pre-reading for what we're about to hear this morning. And before we read from God's Word in a moment, I want to ask you another few questions. How would you define happiness? What is it? How do you get it? And how do you keep it? To quote Pharrell Williams, Clap along if you know what happiness is to you. Did you know that song, Happy, became one of the top 10 selling singles of all time in the UK? What is it about happiness, about happy people, 
that is so appealing to us. Humans unquestionably long for and pursue after happiness in their lives, don't they? Well, today I want us to take a look at why this thing, happiness, seems to be so important to everyone throughout the world, us included. And then I want us to look at what God's Word, the Bible, has to tell us about it and our pursuit of it. No matter how you've joined or where you've come from this morning, first time or thousandth time, close follower of Jesus or never opened a Bible, elated with happiness or in the depths of despair, it's my hope and prayer that you find something this morning that is relevant, challenging and encouraging for you. So let's start by reading what God's Word has to say. And so I've asked Hannah to read uh, the passage uh, for us this morning, which is from the book of Philippians, chapter 4, and starting at verse 4. Philippians 4, verses 4 to 13. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Thank you, Hannah. Uh, some of you will know that this passage of the Bible was written by a man called Paul as a letter to a church in a place called Philippi, uh, hence Philippians. And he writes this letter whilst he's under arrest in a Roman prison. Yet, despite those presumably miserable circumstances that he writes this letter from, just in those few verses we've read, we already see that Paul is still inexplicably happy. Or is he happy? Looking closer at the words he uses and thinking more about the question that I posed before about what happiness is. I think we could actually start to say that Paul is perhaps not so much happy as he is joyful. This is a, a subtle but important distinction for us to make. Whilst happiness can be something that's fleeting, precarious perhaps and superficial, Joy, on the other hand, feels like something much more grounded, secure and permanent. I found this piece of writing on the difference between the two really helpful. 
Happiness depends on external factors to exist. Happiness happens to us. Even though we may seek it, desire it and pursue it, feeling happiness is not a choice we make. Joy, on the other hand, is a choice purposefully made. It's possible to feel joy in difficult times. Joy doesn't need a smile in order to exist. Joy can share its space with other emotions, sadness, shame or anger. Happiness can't. Happiness is not present in darkness and difficulty. Joy never leaves it. Joy is present in the moment. Happiness mostly just passes through. When happiness is present, nothing seems better or more worthy of attention. But happiness is also fickle. It can be present for weeks on end and gone in an instant. Joy is constant. I hope you found that helpful too, to understand the difference between joy and happiness. And yet, with all that said, I think we can still say that we see the world invariably pursuing happiness and things that make them happy, rather than joyfulness and things that make them joyful. I wonder, what do you think God wants us to pursue more this morning? I'll leave that one hanging with you for the moment and maybe we'll come back to it later on. So I said that Paul seems to, even in the darkest of situations, demonstrate a happiness, or perhaps we should now say a joy, as he writes. What are some of the things that tell us that Paul is joyful in spite of his circumstances? And is there anything we can learn from his approach to living? I've pulled out five things from those few verses that we read together, and there's probably more that you could find too. But let's look at those few together now. Number one, Paul has a positive attitude to all that's going on in his life. Just look at how our reading started in verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. We've just heard the circumstances that Paul finds himself in when he's writing this letter. But yet he can still say to those he's writing to that they must rejoice always. I can imagine if I was in Paul's position writing this letter, I think I'd be saying something like, whoa, this is terrible, desperate, despair with me. Not Paul. Whilst we should acknowledge that there's a time for all emotions, and if you want to, you could look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3 if you want to see more of what I mean. We can always remember these verses from Psalm chapter 30. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favour lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Secondly, we see that Paul reinforces his attitude of joy by focusing on the needs of others rather than dwelling on his own personal comforts. Verse 5 says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. This selfless approach to life, showing gentleness and kindness to those around you, helps Paul to find joy and satisfaction in the lives of others. 
It's been very easy over these past few months of physical and social separation to become more introverted and self-absorbed, hasn't it? Or put it another way, I think it's been much harder to care for and serve the people around us without that regular close contact and emotional closeness, hasn't it? I think we need to be very aware of who our focus is on, particularly in this time where community becomes much more difficult to maintain. Paul found joy in showing goodness to those around him. And we can find the same when we look to satisfy others' needs before our own. Moving on, Paul brings us a third fantastic way to maintain joy in our life. Praying. Verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Have you ever worried about something and found that made you more joyful as a result? They're like polar opposites, aren't they? Worry and joy. Like dark and light, the two things cannot exist in the same space together. But the great thing about that, just like light drives out darkness from a black room, the same is true if you bring joy into a worrying situation. Joy triumphs. Paul even tells us how we should do this practically, by praying. Prayer here is bringing all of your worries, your prayers and petitions as he puts it, to the one who is in control of all things and will replace that worry in your heart with joy. Why don't you try praying every day this week about the things that you might otherwise worry about. I guarantee you will find more joy in your life as a result. The penultimate action that we see Paul encouraging is to focus our minds on the right things. Verse 8, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. At no time in history has the human mind had more competition for its time than in our current age. Smartphones, social media, 24-hour news, on-demand streaming services, WhatsApp, online gaming, catch-up TV, Zoom calls, there's an, an endless list of things to fill your time with if you want to. And don't get me wrong, some of these things can be wonderful tools in keeping us connected, informed, entertained. I mean, I'm speaking to you by one of them right now. But what are our minds focused on? Paul tells us to think about things that are noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable whatever is excellent and praiseworthy. I'm sure there are things on all of the platforms that I just mentioned that are some or, or all of these things. But I also know that there are huge amounts of material that are quite the opposite. And we can almost unconsciously fill our minds with these things if we're not careful. 
you find yourself lacking joy in your life, I challenge you to think about what you're filling your mind with on a daily, even an hourly basis. How much of your time is spent thinking about the things that Paul mentions here? Why not try replacing some of the negative things that fill your mind with some more things that are pure and lovely? I'm certain that you will find joy in it. Okay, the fifth and final point that I want to pull out of this passage is Paul's own demonstration of looking beyond the material and the physical in order to maintain his joy. Verse 12, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Now Paul can credibly claim to have lived with both plenty and nothing. In some of his travels around the Mediterranean, he was met with great generosity. And in fact, you can see that uh, he received from the Philippians themselves uh, in the following few verses that we, we didn't read yet together. But he also faced unquestionable physical hardship at other times. Just by uh, reading chapter 11 of, of 2 Corinthians, we can see that Paul had at, at some point in his life faced five floggings, three beatings, three shipwrecks and a stoning, just to name a few. How does a man with so much material want and need stay joyful? Well, Paul never considers his bank balance or the size of his house or the contents of his fridge to be good indicators for his own satisfaction. This is a really difficult idea for us to get our heads and our, our hearts around, particularly in our 21st century Western culture that promotes and values wealth, comfort and possessions above almost any other attribute in our lives. But as Christians, we're called to be countercultural in our attitude towards material things. And this might sound like bad news if, if you're like the, the rich man that meets Jesus, who goes away sad because he's told to sell his possessions and give to the poor. But to the person that's struggling to pay their mortgage or feed their family or, or just afford all of the Christmas presents this year, this is a wonderful release. Joy and contentment is no longer to be sought in our material possessions and physical circumstances, but in something much greater and deeper than that. Now, if you've listened to all I've said so far today, you might be forgiven for starting to think that it's starting to sound a bit like a, a self-help talk, adopting a positive mindset and healthy living habits to protect your mental well-being. Now, whilst lots of the things that Paul writes about and I've mentioned this morning are generally good practice for someone seeking to have a, a happy and a healthy life, there is something far deeper that is underlying Paul's ultimate joy and satisfaction in life. Something that we too can have access to and bring that same joy into our own lives. You see, whilst 
right-mindedness and self-help techniques can only do so much. The true joy of the gospel is found in knowing that we could not and cannot help ourselves. Right from the beginning of creation and the fall of mankind when Adam and Eve broke God's rule in the Garden of Eden and so put themselves and the whole of humanity in opposition to God's ways, we have been set on a course for destruction. That attitude that we all have in our hearts to not treat God as he deserves, our, our pride, our selfishness, our greed, what the Bible calls sin, means that we have to be separated from God. And there is nothing we can do, no amount of good works, to get back to him. And since God was our creator, separated from him, it's impossible for us to find true, lasting happiness, joy. He made us to be in relationship with him. So when that ended through our own actions, it stands to reason that we can no longer find true joy. We see this in the human race's endless efforts to find satisfaction and contentment in an endless list of different actions and objects. Money, pleasure, power, even seemingly good things like family, relationships and community. But ultimately, without God, these things will all fail to satisfy completely. Wealth will be lost, possessions will rust and break, relationships will end. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Has there ever been any better news for us than in this verse? You see, whilst our sin had separated us from God and there was nothing that we could do to get back to him, there was one thing that he could do. By substituting someone perfect, sinless, to take our punishment for us, we could be brought back to God, back into that relationship that we were created for, and that would bring us everlasting joy. That substitute was God's son, Jesus, who lived a perfect life with no pride, greed, or envy in his heart, and then died a cruel death on the cross to take that punishment for us. Having died, Jesus rose again three days later, demonstrating his power over death and asking only one thing of us in order to receive the pardon for all of our sins. Just simply that we accept his free gift of life and joy by believing in him as our Lord and Saviour. When we accept this gift of salvation, Jesus promises that he will send his Holy Spirit to live in our hearts and to work in every part of our lives. If you've accepted Jesus as your saviour, then you already have this spirit living in you. And one of the fruits of the spirit that the Holy Spirit will bear in your life is joy. Everything that we've seen and heard in Paul's life and writing regarding joy 
has its root not in positive thinking or good mental attitudes, but in the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, which brought Paul back into relationship with his creator God. So what about when we face challenges, bereavement, disappointments and other sadnesses in our lives? Should we still try to be happy in those times? Does the fact that we don't feel happy mean that God has forgotten us or ignored us or even worse, is he punishing us? Well, we saw with Chris last week through the life of Job that happiness and blessings are not rewards from God for our good behaviour. And neither are sufferings and trials punishments for our bad behaviour. And if you want to catch up on that talk, you can on our YouTube channel. It's, it's a really great companion to everything that I've talked about today. You see, whilst our happiness will always be determined by our circumstances, our joy is not. Our joy can endure through the toughest of seasons and through the hardest of trials. And it may be that you're watching this morning and it feels like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. Perhaps the year that we've all faced has left you feeling sad, alone and in despair. Well, the amazing truth for us all this morning is this. God is not angry with you. God is not punishing you for something that you have or haven't done. God sees you in all your emotions that you're feeling right now, be it sadness, happiness, anger, weariness. And he just simply asks you to come to him. He doesn't ask you to sort out all of those emotions first and then come to him once you're feeling happier. And nor does he say, come to me and I'll take away all of those emotions. But what he does promise to put into your life is joy. This is what's on offer for you this morning. Whether you've been following God for years or have never put your trust in him until today, you can know what it is to have true, lasting, eternal joy in your life from this point onwards. As Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 15, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Whilst the world continues to pursue happiness and ultimately reaps all the disappointment that that brings with it, you can pursue something far more satisfying this morning. Not that your life will suddenly be free from challenges, sadnesses or material needs, but that you will have found, like Paul, the secret to being joyful in any and every situation. That, to me, sounds like something worth pursuing today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have promised us something far greater than an emotion of happiness. You have promised us deep joy. I thank you that you have made that possible by sending your only son to die on a cross and be raised again, that we might be back in a relationship with you where we can find true comfort and hope and joy. 
Father, I pray that you would pour out your spirit on us this morning as we watch and listen, that we would be comforted and that your spirit would be close to us and would bring out that joy in our lives and that we might share that joy with those around us. Father, I thank you for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We're meeting online every Sunday at 10 a.m. Head to hopechurchguildford.com for more information. We look forward to seeing you.